Okay, our discussion today is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 42 and 43. Don't go to Egypt. And as illustrated in the picture there, I've been to Egypt, and I can tell you there's no need to go there. <laughs> you don't have to go to Egypt. Uh, I was there, and it's just a filthy, filthy place. Uh, at least when I was there, I doubt it's got any cleaner. So here I am, you know, one of the pyramids, one of the big national parks. It's right outside of Cairo. I mean, literally, right? When you're in line, and we got there early, and so we had to wait for it to open up. Uh, so we were in line to, to get into the park itself. And, and so we were in Cairo. I mean, we were surrounded with buildings. It was a slum. The entrance to, to the pyramids is a slum. Again, I don't think it's changed since I was there. Um, it's horrible. Filth everywhere, dirt everywhere. There was a canal, and it was garbage is dumped into the canal and the water there. It's just filthy, filthy, filthy. And this is in their capital and to their major, major, one of their major, major national parks. And they just didn't decorate, clean it. anything. it was horrible. Really filthy. Was that? Yeah, no, the EPA hadn't been there yet and hadn't been cleaned up. And so, and then when we get inside, uh, we didn't feel safe. We, we got inside, we go in, and we, there were four of us in this van and, and the driver, and so we drove up to the security booth, and, and, and the four of us got out of the van, the driver stayed in, and we had to walk, and we walked through this little booth. I mean, it was just like a little, really, guard station type booth. One guy stands inside, and we walked through, and I forget if he patted us down or wanded us or whatever, and, and we just walked through, and, and the van pulled up, and we walked out the booth, and we got back in the van. I thought to myself, if I had a gun, I would have left it in the van. You know, <laughs> security is that, right? So, so then we just drove into the park, and then we're at the pyramids and and, and stuff and the, the Sphinx thing there, and there was just filth everywhere. There were water bottles just thrown all over the place. No one cleaning it up. No one picking it up. There were some workers there, but they were just standing around. I don't know what they were supposed to be doing, but it was just just filth everywhere. It was just garbage in the in, in the. So it was just a horrible place, and just the, the whole feel of it, the whole. Um, we also went to some area, other areas, and they gave us a security guy, a guy who had to drive in our van for some places with a gun. He came with a gun. So that was kind of interesting. So I don't know. You don't need to go to Egypt. There's nothing really there to see other than some rocks and, and dirt. Anyway, so anyway, so don't go. But that's not what the, uh, the sermon's about. The sermon's about Jeremiah and Egypt in relation to Egypt. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 42. Verse 1, all the captains and all the people from the least to the greatest came and said to Jeremiah the prophet, please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and what we should do. Now in context, this chapter is right after uh, Babylon has come and destroyed Jerusalem and killed most of the people and taken whatever else uh, captive in the third uh, taking of people to Babylon, and then left a very small remnant left there in Jerusalem. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, set uh, Gedaliah over the people, a, a Jewish man. He set him over the people as, as his governor, his self-appointed governor, and he gets assassinated by this guy named Ishmael, and, um, and, and who kills a bunch of the people. And, and so now a very even smaller remnant is left, and they are now questioning what should be done. And so they come to Jeremiah, the prophet, and they ask him, petition God, speak to God in our behalf and find out what we should do, which is a good prayer. 
Now, some interesting things that we'll look here. He says there, uh, please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God, for all this remnant that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and what we should do. So it's good to ask, well, what should we do and what should we, what, how should we walk, what should we do now? And that's a good prayer for us to pray every single day as we start our day. God, what would you have me to do today? Right? Even if you have your own plans, what, just lay your plans at God's feet. What, what would you have me do? And he may, have, he may impress you to go to work a different direction for some reason. Maybe for somebody to see your bumper sticker on your car saying God loves them or whatever you have. You know, somehow or another, God may have a reason for her. So lay all our plans at his feet continually. So that's good. And it's good they're coming to the prophet, which is something that Gedalia didn't do, which no doubt uh, got him in trouble and, and one of the reasons he got assassinated, probably. But it's interesting that they petition and say, the Lord, your God. They're talking to Jeremiah, the Lord, your God. So the ones that are coming and petitioning him, it's kind of a very impersonal God to them, but they're asking Jeremiah to petition his God in their behalf. Jeremiah said, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you, I will keep nothing back from you. Jeremiah says, look, I've been faithful all these years, I'll continue to be faithful, I'm just going to tell you what God says. It's not going to be from me, I'm not going to hold anything back, I'm going to tell you it like it is. And he says that I'm going to tell you what the Lord, your God, so he throws it back on them, it's not my God, it's your God. Right? The Lord your God, I'll petition him, and whatever the Lord your God says, that's what I'm going to tell you. So they respond, verse 5, and they said, let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not do everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. So we see like a little transformation taking place here. Uh, they're kind of catching it, right? So they say, the Lord, first, the Lord be true and faithful, and that the Lord your God, but then they start to say the Lord our God, and then kind of corporately the Lord our God, right? And so that, that's kind of good growth there. Uh, and that's not really the theme that I wanted to focus on tonight, but we're just kind of an interesting little side there on, on, on how they begin their conversation and, and their prayers in relation to God. And Jeremiah throwing it back on them. We'll see a little bit more of that. But the main focus here is that they're asking for Jeremiah to pray and to seek God's will. And Jeremiah's saying, I'll tell you everything God says. And they say, good, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear what the Lord says. And we want him to be true and faithful. We want to hear what he has to say. And we will do whatever he says, whether it's pleasing or displeasing to us. That's what we want. We want to know God's will, whether it goes along with our pre-planned ideas and desires we're laying him at his feet, whether it's pleasing to us or displeasing to us, we're going to follow whatever he says. And that's great prayer. And, and you've seen me here, some people announce that they're, they're going to date, and, uh, and I'll have prayer for them, and I pray, Lord, if it's your will, may you hold them together and keep this relationship going uh, to marriage and even till death. But if not, reveal it now before they go any further or before they seal it in marriage and uh, reveal it now and, and stop it now, right? So whether it's pleasing or displeasing. And so that's how we need to pray, right? God, your will be done. And, uh, you know, we, we have our own, what we think is right. We, we, this is what we think God should be doing in our lives. This is what we think is the best plan for our future for today. And this is the best job or this is the best um, mate for me. And this is, 
And, and then when we get a no answer, sometimes we reject it. Right? And maybe sometimes you've experienced that in your own life, whether someone has stopped you from doing what you wanted to do and you got angry, or, or you tried to give some loving counsel to someone and say, you know, I really don't think you guys are a match, or I really don't think that job or that career is for you, or, or have you considered this and this aspect of that job or that uh, decision that you're making? And then you could get angry and not talk to you or, or get defensive, all right? So our carnal nature doesn't like what is displeasing. But here they're saying, whether it's pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the Lord our God. And that's good. We need to surrender that way and be surrendered to God because uh, God knows better than we do, all right? So we can trust him all things. We lay our plans at his feet, trusting in him. I think uh, in society today, we've got this, this, this picture that, God's will is to, God's job is to make us happy. And if he's not making us happy, then he's not doing his job, right? Why does God allow suffering? Why do he allow the Holocaust? Why does he allow these deaths? Why does he allow these children to starve to death? Why is he allowing this, this person to get sick? Why do, you, why do you allow this? Why do you allow you know, me to get what I wanted? And so he's not doing his job. He's not a good God. But God really doesn't care so much about us being happy here. Right? It's not about being happy here. It's not about feeling good here. God's main job is getting us to heaven. That's where his focus is. Whatever it takes, whether it means going through some suffering, whether it means going through some troubles, whatever it'll take to draw us to him, to get us to heaven, that is his goal. That is what it's all about. So he allows circumstances, situations to... to have that happen in our lives to bring us to him or to bring others to him. And sometimes it takes our suffering to bring other people to him, like in the case of Job, right? To reveal for us to see what's really going on behind the scenes. God allowed Job to go through a lot of suffering and others in the Bible and other things, right? So, so if we think that God, uh, you know, his job is to keep us from suffering and keep us happy, well, then we're missing a big portion of the Bible because I don't know if he'd done that for anyone in the Bible, right? Abraham had it tough. David had it tough, Moses had it tough, Noah had it tough, you know, I mean, he allowed his son to die, right, I mean, <laughs> and get beaten on the way, you know, so I mean, uh, and disciples to get beaten and, and, and imprisoned, and most of them die, get killed, so, um, so if we think his job is to make us happy, then why do we think we're better than anyone else in history, that, he, that he's more favorable to you and me than, than he was to his friend Abraham, uh, or to his... Uh, man after God's own heart, David, or, or his own son, right? So, so that's not his focus, but when we think that way, and that's a lot of what is preached and taught, that just this prosperity and this just, God is just this love, aura of love, and it's all about him loving us and, 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 and making us happy and making us feel good. And it's all about feelings and feeling God. Well, then we're not prepared when a message comes that is displeasing to us. We come upon something in God's word that is against what we're thinking, how things should go. But better for us to be surrendered to him that he knows best in the whole realm of things and laying all our plans at his feet day by day, moment by moment. After 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he called Yahohan, one of the chief captains, and all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. 
So now again in this realm of prayer and who God is, Jeremiah has opened it up more. He says, the Lord God of Israel, right? Not just your God, my God, our God, but the Lord God of Israel, right? He's the one that you sent me to, and he's the one who's given me a message. And now we see it took 10 days for that message to come to Jeremiah, right? Prayer is not always a snap, right? So we can be laying our plans this morning at God's feet. God, what would you have me do? Or should I buy this or not buy that? Or should I go here or not go here? Or, or, or who with? And, and, and God might not give us the answer right away. It might take 10 days. It might take 10 years. But don't act until God has made it clear. Don't act until God has, has shown what we should be doing in relation to that, until we hear a word of the Lord, and whether it's confirmed in some way, shape, or form, uh, whether impressing our hearts and our minds or opening up circumstances and situations and for things to fall into place the right way. And we know it's according to his will. So wait upon the Lord. That's a big thing through the Bible. Wait upon the Lord. He will renew our strength. He will tell us and we will hear his voice. So Jeremiah gives him the answer, verse 10. If you will remain in this land, I will build you and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. I relent of the disaster that I brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him. I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. That's a great message, right? He says, don't worry, you can stay here, you can stay in the land. God's going to be with us. God's going to protect us going to protect us from Babylon, whom we fear. He's not going to destroy us anymore. God allowed him to do whatever he was going to do, but not now. God's going to deliver us from his hands. Stay in the land. I will show you mercy, that he may have mercy on you, and cause you to return to your own land. This is the remnant that's remaining there, as well as those that after the destruction of Jerusalem and Babylon went back, most of the army went back, People from Moab and other Ammon and places they scattered to came back and so he's saying, stay in the land, I'm going to plant you in the land, I'm going to have mercy and I'm going to move upon Nebuchadnezzar's heart and he's going to have mercy upon you as well. He's not going to blame you for Gedalia's death, he'll appoint a new judge, a new governor, whatever, don't worry, stay in the land, it's going to be good. This is what Jeremiah, God's message to Jeremiah, that Jeremiah gives to the people. Very short, it's three or so short verses, one in a very short portion of slides on our wall here. But if you disobey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, we will not dwell in this land. No, we will go to the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread. And there we will dwell. Then hear now the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you wholly set your faces to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you, and the famine which you were afraid of shall close after you, follow close after you, and there in Egypt you shall die. So it shall be with all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there. They shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my fury have been poured out upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so my fury will be poured out on you when you enter Egypt, and you shall be an oath, an astonishment, and a curse, and a reproach, and shall see this place no more. So pretty heavy, he lays it out plain. 
stay here, it'll go well, I'll move upon the king's heart, it'll go well with you, I will be with you, I will protect you, it's going to be good, stay here. Very short. And then very long, about ten verses, we're not done yet, about ten verses, six or so slides, full verses, long verses, don't go to Egypt, don't go to Egypt, don't go to Egypt, it's going to be bad. You say we're going to go there because we will eat and we won't have to deal about war anymore. He says, no, it's going to be just the opposite. You're going to face war. You're going to face famine. You're going to face pestilence. You're going to die there. And you'll never come back here. Very clear. The Lord said, remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Certainly I have admonished you this day. I don't think you can get any clearer than that, right? So he gives all these reasons and then lays it plain. Do not go to Egypt. You were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, pray for us to the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord God says, declare to us, and we will do it. So Jeremiah hasn't even finished speaking, and he can read, God has given him, has shown him, he's reading their hearts, he knows that they're hypocrites, and he calls them out. I'll tell you, I love Jeremiah. He was great. <laughs> he, he just called it as he saw it, called it as God impressed him. He let him know, I'm going to tell you how it is, I won't hold anything back. You're a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> you told me go and ask the Lord and do whatever pleasing or displeasing. You had no intention of hearing what the Lord really wanted to say. He didn't even wait for their answer. He's letting them know. He's hitting them with it. A bunch of hypocrites. I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God or anything which he has sent you by me. Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to dwell. Very clear. Very plain. And it had to be so heavy. It had to be so hard to wake them up. Give them to kind of shock them into... Wow, God even knows our hearts. God even knows what we've been thinking. God even knows that we're hypocrites. And Jeremiah's been right for 40 years now. He predicted Babylon's fall, even when all these other prophets said, no, God was going to protect us. Wake them up. And so when Jeremiah stopped speaking to all the people, the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent to them, Azariah, Yachahan and all the proud men said, You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, Do not go to Egypt to dwell there. Wow. That is horrible. That is sad. But is it any different than any of us? Has God ever made things plain to you? You push forward anyway, push ahead anyway. Not listen. God's word, read something, God's word. Oh, wow, I didn't realize. I should be doing this or I shouldn't be doing this. Or conviction come upon our heart. Oh, I need to talk to this person. Or, oh, I should do this. Oh, I need to remember this. And then we just disregard it. We'll pray, Lord, for your will be done. Oh, Lord, may it be a nice and sunny day tomorrow, but your will be done. And it's raining and we're miserable. <laughs> Lord, your will be done, and then it doesn't go like we wanted. 
and we're not happy. We don't praise him and say, well, Lord, I guess this is your will. Whether it's pleasing or displeasing to us, we will obey. Yachohan and all the captains and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. Yachohan and the captains took all who were with Gedaliah and Jeremiah and Baruch, and they went to Egypt. They did not obey the voice of the Lord. And so they go to Egypt. God tells them to stay. They were a step better than Gedaliah. At least they asked Jeremiah. They asked the Lord first. But maybe in some ways they're worse because then they had heard and didn't obey. So I know it's worse choosing to be ignorant or knowing and rejecting. They go to Egypt. It's interesting that Jeremiah goes with them. Now maybe they forced him. Maybe they tied him up. Maybe they dragged him there. I don't know. I don't think so. He went with them. Even if they did, eventually they had to untie him and he could have ran back if he wanted to. He chose to stay with the people. And we see the heart of Jeremiah in this. Throughout the time he was predicting, Jeremiah, Babylon's going to come, he's going to destroy this place. He could have left. He could have gone to Moab. He could have gone to Ammon. He could have gone up north. He could have gone down south. He could have hidden in a cave somewhere. He chose to stay in Jerusalem. He chose to stay with the people. All through that time, even though no, he knew Babylon was going to come and destroy the city, he stayed. Even though he was being persecuted, even though his message wasn't being listened to, he stayed with the people. And even after Babylon came through and destroyed the walls, destroyed the city, and, and, and took everybody, taking people captive, they set Jeremiah free. And said, Jeremiah, where do you want to go? Do you want to come back to Babylon with us? The king said, you can come and he'll treat you well. Or you can stay here and you have your freedom, whatever you want to do, either way, we'll be good to you. Jeremiah could have gone with Daniel, maybe a high position in the king's court, hung out with Ezekiel, prospered that way. He chose to stay in Jerusalem, he chose to stay with the people. And when the people went to Egypt, he knew they were wrong. He told them they were wrong. He told them you're going to die there, famine and pestilence and sword. He went with the people. He stayed with the people anyway. Too often I see people just flip on a, on a dime, just you know, quit this job or leave this marriage, jump from congregation to congregation, well, because someone looked at them wrong, someone didn't say hi to them, or whatever reason. Jeremiah stuck it out looking for a perfect people. Yeshua didn't even have perfect disciples. Jacob didn't have 12 perfect children. God didn't have two perfect children. <laughs> We're looking for a perfect people. We're not going to find it. It's the word of God, the teaching of God that's important. Jeremiah stuck with the people. He stuck it out. He stayed there. And he went with them. Even though he knew it was wrong, even though they weren't listening to him, still had a role, still had a part to play as a living witness. We're in Jeremiah 43, verse 10. Jeremiah said, 
The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel says, I will bring Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and I will set his throne above Pharaoh's throne. He shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death, captivity, and sword those appointed for death, captivity, and sword. And that's eventually what happened. Babylon then goes and attacks Egypt and destroys Egypt as well. Jeremiah was right time and time and time again. God's word is right. It's been testified and proven in our lives. So as we think of these things in our own lives, there's many lessons that we can learn from this as well. Is the Lord our God? Do we pray to him personally? Do we know him personally? When we read his word, is he speaking to us personally? Or is he just the God of our parents, just the God of the congregation, the God of the synagogue, the God of the rabbi. We're just kind of coming along for the ride. Where is he our God? Do we have a personal experience with him? A daily communion with him? That we speak with him, that we listen to him, that we talk to him as to a friend, that we open ourselves up to him, that we listen to him as a servant. We're in communion with him, in connection with him. And if not, if kind of felt distant, kind of felt like, well, yeah, he's a God way off somewhere. I believe that there's a God. And I read his word and I believe he spoke to Jeremiah. I believe he spoke to David and Daniel. And I believe he was there in the past. And I believe he's here for some people. But I haven't yet experienced him. That's been your experience. Or maybe you've experienced him at one time in your life, but he seems distant now, or you're distant now. In a moment when we pray, I invite you to connect with him. Invite him to come into your heart and mind. Invite him to come close to you. Allow him to speak your name. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to open up your ears so you can hear his voice. Allow him to remove the blinders on our eyes so that we can see his face. Allow him to remove the, any blockage in our hearts, sin or anything else, doubt or anything that's kept us from knowing him personally. And he'll do that. He can do it right now as we surrender to him. Or secondly, if either currently or sometime in your past, you prayed, Lord, may your will be done. Show me your will. Reveal it to me. And then when it was shown, he didn't listen. My grandmother used to call that hindsight. She says she was real good at hindsight. She was real good at knowing God's will after the fact. Same grandmother, my mom's mother. She'd go to the doctor Tell the doctor, tell me how high to jump and I'll jump. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, whatever pills, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. The doctor would say, you know, you need to lose some weight. You need to. <laughs> we'd try and help her out and tell her you know, some ideas of what she needs to do. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the exercise, do you get out of the house? No, no, no. What's this still doing in the refrigerator here? Well, I'm just finishing that package. When I finish that package, I won't buy it again. 
months later, another package in there again, whatever. She eventually died of a heart attack, massive heart attack. It's one thing to say it, and we might even mean it, but it takes a miracle of God for us to be surrendered, to have God's power change us. We can be sincere. Lord, whatever you do, I will do. But God has to change our hearts because our carnal nature won't like what... Our carnal nature is enmity against God. Our natural nature is resistant to him. Our natural nature is hatred against him. And that's why he sent the Messiah to die for us as us, so that us dies, so self dies, selfishness dies, our desires die, we lay our desires in him and let them all die because all our natural desires are wrong. You know, that's why it's not just, well, if you feel like doing it, do it, you know, Nike, just do it. Then about just doing it. You know, people say, well, this is how I am, this is how I was born, this is how I was created. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. We're all born corrupt. We're all born with evil desires. That doesn't mean we fulfill them. That doesn't mean we do them. If I have a desire to be a pyromaniac, you can't say, well, I, I just like doing that. We surrender that to the Lord. We confess it, give it over to him, accept his forgiveness, accept our death and our natural nature to him, and allow him to change us and transform us. So it means to be born anew. That's what it means to be born again. He changes us. That's a miracle that he does. That's the main thing that he does. That's what he has to get us to heaven. He has to change us. And sometimes he allows blessings and sometimes he allows trials to change us. It amazes me in the countries where there's so much ease, like in this country, and so much freedom, where we have the Bible so readily available and have so much prosperity that we don't thank him more, that we don't acknowledge him more, that we don't take the opportunities that we have to praise him. Instead, in these countries, we're turning from him. I mean, it's amazing. We have apples year-round, oranges year-round. You know what? Oranges don't grow on trees year-round. <laughs> apples don't grow on trees year-round. <laughs> it's an amazing blessing that we have, and we have so much prosperity and so much freedom and ease and love and goodness. And we take it for granted. And places where it's harder, they sometimes pray more and sense their need of God more. And here where we have the opportunities. Beautiful beaches, beautiful nature, beautiful seeing God in the sky and the sunsets and all around us. And we don't acknowledge it. We ignore it. We resist it. don't appreciate it. We take God for granted. And so that's our natural nature. And that's what needs to be crucified with him. That's what needs to die in him. That's why we need to be born anew. That we have an unnatural love for him. And we have a divine love for him. That he gives us this drawing after him. That he gives us a heart that longs after him. We need that every day. We need to go through that experience every day. And so if that's what you're needing today, if it's been some time in the past, or sometime current, something you're going through current. You've laid some plans at his feet and chosen to do the exact opposite of what he said. The moment when we pray, you can receive his forgiveness and receive his cleansing for that. 
and ask him to put you back on his path. And thirdly, if there's an area in your life that you're currently in the midst of praying about, or, or some plans that you have that you haven't yet prayed about, and you want to pray, and ask the Lord to guide and direct, for God to close the door or to open the door. Maybe you've moved a few steps into it and you want to now lay it at his feet. Even willing to step back if necessary for God to reveal his will. And a friend who was planning on opening up an orphanage. This is a great idea. This is from God. God loves children. And then he prayed about it. And God said, it's a great idea, but it's not for you. Kind of like David said, I'm going to build a temple for the Lord. David said, great idea. Nathan went and prayed, and God said, no, I didn't say it was a good idea. <laughs> David's not going to build the temple. Solomon will build the temple. Sometimes we have great ideas. doesn't necessarily mean they're from the Lord. So in a moment we pray, you can lay your plans, whatever you're thinking about today, or into your future. Lay them before the Lord. And ask him to give us humble hearts to obey it and to walk in it. And to hear his word. Thirdly, if in the past or currently... God has placed you with the people. And unlike Jeremiah, you ran for seemingly insignificant reasons. Sometimes there are good reasons. But as you look back, maybe it wasn't the right reason. It wasn't God's reason to run. You want God to forgive you and put you back on track? Start anew? We can ask him to do that. Or if you're in the midst of something, feeling tempted to run, run from a marriage, run from a friendship, run from a relationship, run from a job, run from a congregation, run from something. God's saying, stay where I got you planted. Again, there's a time where God will move us. But I mean, like when Jeremiah's case, he stuck with the people for biblical reasons. But if we're being tempted to move for unbiblical reasons, for wrong reasons, surrender that to him. And let him hold us fast to be where he plants us, to be where he wants us to be. So if any of those areas apply to you, let us pray and let God do his work in our hearts and minds. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful for your word and we are thankful for Jeremiah. We're thankful for such a godly example, willing to speak your truth, whether the people liked it or not, willing to hear your voice. And Lord, we appreciate the people's willingness originally to, to come to you and pray to you. And Lord, we ask forgiveness for ourselves too when we have been insincere, when we have been hypocrites. And we claim your forgiveness and we claim your cleansing. And so Lord, in sincerity and truth, and we ask you to hold us to it, Give us hearts that are willing to obey you, hearts that are willing to hear your voice, and hearts that are willing to receive it and to do what you command us to do, willing to open up your word and to follow your word and to obey your word in completeness and in truth by your grace and by your spirit in Yeshua's holy name. Amen.